0: So today our study is on the Beatitudes, and often we consider, we think of the Beatitudes as the whole Sermon on the Mount, but it's really not, it's just really the first, the Sermon on the Mount is actually th- three different chapters, Matthew, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. What we're studying today are the Beatitudes, which is Matthew 5, verses 1 through 12, and these verses are probably some of the best-known verses that we, that we hear in or hear from in the Bible. It's I mean it's probably close to Psalms 23, verses that are often read, um, and verses that are often looked at and think, well, these are beautiful verses, and we and we move on. I mean, these are just ni- nice things that that's going to happen to us if we do good things on this world. But they're much greater than that, and and I, w- I would like to spend a little more time into the, in digging into not all of the all of the um, the blessings, but Um, what these really mean. So Matthew 5, verses 1 through 12, and I'm going to start with verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. So we often hear the term Beatitudes, and what is the meaning of Beatitudes? It's not a biblical term, but it comes from from a biblical idea. So if we go to the Vulgate, which is the Latin translation of of, uh, the Bible, each verse you'll see the word beati. And beati is the word that we derive the word beauty or beautiful in English. And so if you look at this, this is, this is uh, verses 3, which in English is, Blessed are the pure, the pure in spirit, for theirs is, is the kingdom of heaven. Beati poreres, whatever it is. And when they, when they translated the first version of the, the English translation, the translators took this word beati and they formed the word beatitudes. And that's where the origin of, the, of the, this word comes. And it's actually an important concept, concept to understand because in most translations, we, we use the, the word blessed. And I remember once I was, I was actually asked the question, what does blessed mean? When someone blesses you or you, or you are blessed, what does that word really mean? And I had to think about it. What, is, what does that mean? We are blessed. And if we go back to the original language, it actually has two meanings. And they're really the same meaning, but two different words that are used. The one, "Beati" or beautiful. You are beautiful when... And each one of these these verses. You are beautiful. Beautiful are the the pure in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Beautiful are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So you are beautiful. But it also means happy. So happy and beautiful in this in the way the the Beatitudes are written, they really can be used and interchanged and actually have different meanings, but I think gives a different concept and actually is important for us to stand because happy are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Happy are those who mourn. Happy, happy, happy. Happy are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. We're gonna spend a little more time talking about those ideas. I think one of the first things we need to know about this, uh, the Beatitudes, is as I, as I mentioned, we often, often read these words, and they are beautiful words, and, and we, we read them and move on and not spend too much time on them. But in reality, they are spiritual torpedoes. When they hit our brain and we try to understand exactly what these verses mean, it is of great, it makes a great difference to our lives because what this is is actually the practice of the 10 Commandments. Christ is taking the foundation of what Christian, or not Christianity, you know since, um, I don't know if for those who were here last week, and uh, Parker spoke to us, and you used this word Christian. I, I'm reconsidering using that word after he, he's speaking. I think I would prefer to use the word follower of Christ or disciple of Christ. Because Christian can mean anything to anybody. It's your own interpretation. But if I say, I am a disciple of Christ, it has a totally different meaning. Christ is important to me, and I follow him because of what I believe in what he believes. And I really appreciate that from Parker. I think that is the most profound thing. But I think one of the things we need to know and understand, first of all, and this in in our booklet, and it's a quote from uh, Oswald Chambers, and I actually underline it in my book, and it says, Beware of placing our Lord as teacher uh, first instead of a Savior. We have to think of Jesus as our Savior first, before we think of him as a teacher. Because if we we look at him purely as a teacher, and Megan mentioned this, but I think it's an important point. If we look at him as a teacher alone, we're going to get a misunderstanding of who and what he says. If you take the verse, um, if someone came into this room today and um, they had, no, had absolutely no spiritual background and knew nothing about uh, Christian beliefs or about Jesus Christ. And we quoted the verse, um, bless are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So what does that mean? Or what does the opposite of that mean? If I, if I don't have a pure heart, I'm not going to see God. And I want anybody, anybody to raise their hands who has a pure heart. There we go. (laughs) uh, (laughs) (laughs) But not on your own. (laughs) He's alive. Yeah. Yep. We have a pure heart because Jesus gives us a pure heart. We don't have a pure heart on our own. It is very, very difficult for us to maintain the pure heart, and I think as we get deeper into this whole series, I think this is one of the things that Christ talks about multiple times. In fact, the next, next teaching I have is on, on um, adultery and Christ's interpretation of adultery. And what the law says, and what Christ says, are not necessarily in contradiction. But he expounds on that. He expounds on those on those on on those teachings. In this in this ladder of of of, of morality of of Christian morality. The Ten Commandments are the absolute, or commandments are the absolute foundation. But on top of that ladder of morality is really the Beatitudes. It's how those commandments are interpreted. It's how we react to those commandments. And the way probably we, we, the, we can uh, show this is um, to illustrate the point Several years ago, we were at a family gathering, and um, in, at this gathering, we actually had an engineer and we had a physicist, and they didn't know each other until one was married to a cousin, I forget exactly what the relationship was, but it was, they actually went to the same, same college, and they met over there, and they actually got in this little discussion about physics and engineering. And there was a little go-between between the two of them. It was quite, quite humorous, actually. And here's the point. The physicist knew the technicalities of physics, or, sp- or tried to understand the technicalities of, of physics. Spent a lot of time understanding what physics is all about, a necessary evil, very boring to most of us. But there are some people who absolutely love that. The engineer knew about physics, had studied physics, had a good understanding of physics, but he took physics and made beautiful things out of physics. He reacted to the laws of physics and created things that people can use that make their lives easier and more beautiful. We can spend our whole lives trying to understand the technicalities of God's law. And theologians spend a lot of time spending time understanding the technicalities of God's law. But that is absolutely meaningless unless we apply those laws to our lives. And this is what this is all about. This is taking God's laws and applying it to our lives. It's making a difference to other people and that's what it's all about. It's understanding, understand the importance of those laws, applying it to our lives. For those of you that have lived in a, um, in a neighborhood that has a have covenants, homeowners association or POA, something like that, you'll find various people that live in those neighborhoods. There's the first group that are non-compliant to the covenants that irritate the rest of the community. It's like, why do you live in this community? You don't even take care of your piece of property. You're downgrading the value of our property. Why do you go somewhere else and go live somewhere else? You probably, If you lived in one of those neighborhoods, you've heard that. And then you have another group of people who are compliant. They make sure that their lawn is mowed every week, that they have the proper trees growing. They don't park their cars on the street and all those good things. They are absolutely compliant. And then there's another group. And those people beautify their yards. They make special, something special out of their yards. You drive through those neighborhoods, you'll always see those people. Carol and Ray, I always think of you when I think of this. Make these absolutely beautiful gardens and you drive by and, and are an absolute blessing to their neighbors and to themselves. That's what spiritual growth is all about and spiritual life is all about. Is how do I make other people's lives, my neighbors' lives, more beautiful with a full understanding and of the importance of God's commands? And once again, this is what Christ is trying to teach in this in in this series. Beautifying people's lives, beati. You become beautiful because you make other people's lives beautiful. A few examples of this um, of the beatitudes. <clears throat> And I'm not going to go into great depth with many of them. Blessed are the pure, poor in spirit. Blessed are the uh, sorry. Sorry, I'm, I'm missing my place over here. For theirs is the kingdom of God. Okay. <clears throat> Very first one. Blessed are the pure in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So, what, is that, what does that, that really mean? Blessed are the pure in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So, what does pure in spirit mean? Pure in spirit, I think, is having an understanding of God and fearing God in a way that we understand who, who he is. And it, it, there's humility that goes along with that pure of spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So if we read uh, 1 Corinthians 8 verses 1, and this is Paul writing, I think this is, will create an understanding of this. Now about food sacrifices to idols, we know that we all possess knowledge. But knowledge puffs up while love builds up. So we can have a knowledge of all these things. We can have a knowledge of God, a knowledge of the commandments, the technicalities of all these things. And if we know these things that can puff us up and make us proud, we know this stuff. But if we don't convert that knowledge into love and apply that knowledge into love, what use is it? Love builds up. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And I think there's two points to to this particular one. Number one when you understand Jesus Christ and his sacrifice and his grace and how that applies to you, there are some things in life that you will no longer mourn. You no no longer care about those things. They're gone because Christ has become the more important part. And secondly, the literal meaning of this. There are temporal things in this world. There are things, there are loved ones that are going to be taken away from us. Those things are going to happen. But one day, we will find peace in Jesus. One day, we will be reunited. One day, we will find happiness and joy. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. The meek are not those who are pathetic. The meek are those who do not yield to, weak, uh, to weakness and wickedness and overcome evil with good. They will find refuge and rest and peace on this earth. Psalms 91 verses 1 and 2. And, and take that verse and, and tra- use this, word to, this verse to think about that. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. There's always this thing about inheriting this earth. I know this is one of those verses that people say, well, what does that mean? Well, how many meek people have occupied this earth and how much of this earth have they inherited? Not much. There's not actually much inheritance that has occurred on this earth. But the inheritance is in the future. The inheritance is the shelter in Jesus Christ and also living in his kingdom on this earth so that we find shelter and peace on this earth because we're no longer dealing with those difficult issues and making wrong decisions in, in this life. And then the eighth, these eight Beatitudes. The eighth one is the one that I want to spend a little time with because it's totally different to the first. And the eighth one says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is the one beatitude that you can do nothing about. You do not decide how you're going to react to this. You do not try to find humility. This beatitude is a result of you following those first seven beatitudes. If you behave the way Christ wants you to behave, if you do what Christ wants you to do, you're going to find hardship in this world. In this world, People are going to persecute you. People are going to say bad things about you. People are not going to be, treat you very well simply because you are trying to make other people's lives beautiful. And Jesus says to us, do not worry about that. Because I have a special place for you. You are important to me. We are in this world to make other people's lives more beautiful. And it's your choice. As to how you're going to make their lives beautiful. Or if you're going to make their lives beautiful. And do we spend time trying to criticize people. Making sure that they are keeping to the law. Criticizing their lives. Trying to find Ways to criticize them. We always have those people. Or are you going to look at each, each person differently and say, this is an important person to me and an important person to Jesus Christ. And how can I take my life and make their life more beautiful? That's Christ's challenge for us. That's what the Beatitudes are all about. And really, this comes back to what uh, Greg's teaching from two or three weeks ago on, on Psalms 23, that final verse in Psalms 23. Because our reward is not on this earth, our reward is in the future. However, we are rewarded in some ways on this earth, in that we find happiness on this earth. And I think that's the important thing that, that, is, that is important. Happiness is not an event, it's a state of mind. I can go to uh, Andy's frozen custard and have some custard ice cream and I find some happiness at that moment. It's not permanent. And we often live our lives that that way. We, we, We jump from one event to the other to try and keep ourselves happy. Blessed means that it is a state of mind. It is continuous. My happiness doesn't end. And that's the blessing that we have on this earth. You know, I, I look at myself and I, and I was thinking, as I was thinking about this, and I thought to myself, you know, we have two children and now we have two grandchildren. They weren't one time events, although the birth was a one time event. But the blessing is continuous, the happiness and the joy is continuous. That is what a follower of Christ is all about. The, 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 the how we continue beauty and happiness on, on this earth. And coming back to Greg's talk on, on Psalms 23, verse 6. Even though bad things might happen to us because of that, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. May we take the beauty that we found in you and share that beauty with our neighbors and friends and family and community. Amen.